Hello and welcome to episode six of the Intersection podcast. Today, my special guest is Paul Simon from Steph's Place, which has now been renamed as Translucent. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. So welcome, Paul. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Yes, I'm fine. Thanks. It's been a long time since we did our previous podcast. I think it was March, February um, this year when we did... um, quite a long podcast on sports um i guess we're going to carry on where that conversation left off today yes yes yeah, i think when we finished that one we we did say watch this space mm. and there's been a lot of things been going on in the sports world around transgender inclusion since then so we're going to talk a bit about that yep i thought what we'd start with though today is your role at Staff's place and how that has now changed and become translucent. Absolutely. So do you want to just have a say a few words? Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, so yes, yeah, so at Staff Place, um, my involvement um started there. Um, obviously, when I sort of came into contact with Steph, um, and she asked me um initially to write an article um on my own experience of being um a parent. Um, the trans child Um, and uh, and that's how sort of the involvement started Um, and at that time um, and it it still was Steph's place was very much um, I sort of described it as like a sort of a a coffee shop type place it was a a nice comforting place it was a place for information um, and you know to to help you know people in the the trans community and non-binary to actually understand you know, sort of, and gets, you know, some information and help yeah. and assistance. Yeah. What's actually happened, though, um, over the course of the, uh, the the last year is um, clearly our role has become, um, not intentionally, I suppose it's as uh, a matter of needs, but it has become more and more political um, as the political situation in this country has um, got worse and worse uh, for the trans community, in particular, obviously, for trans women. Um, And because of our involvement um, and needing to be on a um, seen on a different level, I think it's very much the image and um, having the right um, the right look and uh, and being taken seriously. Um, So, again, it was a case of um, we needed to to really rebrand. It's the same format. There's nothing that's changed within the organization. Um, We set up a CIC, um, which I think was important um, that we actually, again, um, were, you know, seen on a proper footing um, and a legitimate footing um, and, we changed the name, as I said, and translucent, um, as I said, was 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 the chosen name to move forward. So it's kind of kind of taking the emphasis off it being Steph's place, which was really just kind of like a magazine website thing. Yeah, absolutely. With lots of contributors to more of an an official CIC, which is a community interest company. I believe that's the correct yeah. terminology. Um, with directors, one of them which is yourself, yeah. and um, you know it continues in the same kind of style, new website, new name, same contributors. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it was time for it to, you know, move on, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Become something and I think, a bit more um, official. Yeah, absolutely, a bit more official, but also not to lose the identity. So Steph's place is still a yeah. part of the website. Where so there's, Within the website, there's still magazine something called Steph's place. place magazine. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. And you can also find in the website all the podcasts that I've been doing. 
So, what what is the new website name? Is it just uh, trans translucent dot org dot uk? I think that's correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, our lovely listeners, if you want to go and have a look, it's up and live now. <laughs> <laughs> listeners, I'm being optimistic there. It's probably a listener, but you know, <laughs> that's the way it goes. We, we remain in hope. Absolutely, we remain in hope. Yeah, <laughs> and the the. The really exciting thing was that we were both involved with the um, National Diversity Awards earlier this year. Absolutely. Where Steph Place won an award. Yeah, it's still something that um, I I sort of struggle to to, to believe. I know it's, um, you know, I mean, I I remember when um, Steph obviously informed us that we'd be nominated in the first place. And it was like, okay, you know, wow, that's brilliant. Yeah, it was nice Um, to be nominated, but yeah. It's lovely, you know. Uh, And then, you know, told obviously there's this process and we have to sort of put through the, you know, you know reasoning behind your nomination and then they shortlist and I thought yeah I mean that's lovely I mean we're never going to be shortlisted um you know but to find out we'd been shortlisted um again then it was wow okay (laughs) this is amazing yeah and and even then when when we went um to the actual uh, ceremony as well as, as you remember obviously that the 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 thing that I found amazing was um the actual um event organizer came over went from table to table yeah. Uh, and when he came to us, um, it was like, oh, Steph Place, uh, really great to meet you. said, I have to tell you, um, you know, 71,000 nominations, but your category was by far the highest number of uh, nominations and by far the hardest fought category of all. Wow. So wow. just being nominated, you know, um, and, and being sort- shortlisted, sorry, just being shortlisted is an amazing achievement, which was like, wow, yeah, that, that is amazing. We yeah. thought, well, okay, well, this is, you know, that it is amazing we shortlisted. I mean, there's no way it's going to go any further. But then to have that moment when they actually announced I know. the, the it was name. It quite shocking, wasn't it? It's like, it oh was, God, it was. But I think the thing that um, that got me more than anything, um, and I think it's uh, something that we've probably, you know, now started to, to realise and see the, the impact that hopefully we are having, because as I said, it's only a small organisation. But it was, um, we were on the stage, obviously, and, and Steph delivered this most amazing speech. And if anyone hasn't heard the speech, please, it's on our website. Please listen. Yeah, to I'll, the I'll put the link in the in the podcast. Notes. Fantastic. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. And, and what we had is when we had the speech and um, what we didn't see and didn't realize on the time because we're on the stage and then we were taken off stage, obviously, was the reaction. Um, but standing you know, ovation. It was, it was videoed. Absolutely. The one and only um, for the night. It was the only one. And bear in mind, this obviously is one of the final awards to be, you know, to be given. Yeah, obviously, course, the level yeah. of interest goes down and down in these. Yeah, uh, everybody's events. kind of half drunk and yeah. getting bored by that point. But, yeah. but it was the only it was one. It kind of woke them all up and standing ovation. Yeah, really yeah was. absolutely. So again, it started to show, do you know what? It, it was a lovely show of, um, of genuine feeling. You know, this wasn't a, a trans audience, you know. No, I mean, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's diversity across the whole board. Absolutely. People so there wouldn't every have been that many. Life, uh, no, there wouldn't have been that many trans people actually there. No. Um, so this was a very good representation of what um, what the reality is. You know, this is more yeah. the feeling. You know, this is not what we read in the newspapers. This is actually, you know, to actually get that reaction and to realise that there is that level of 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 care and 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 shock. I think at some of the things that Steph was actually revealing. Um, you know, and this is the problem. We just got no one that's really revealing these this information or no media outlet that's doing it so therefore this is what we have to do yeah some of the facts and figures that were in steph's speech were yeah really kind of hard-hitting yeah absolutely eye-opening numbers yeah no absolutely absolutely and it, it's funny i mean i i sort of 
obviously I've watched back the uh, the video um, of us standing on the stage. Um, and you normally see these um, uh, these events where you have people, you know, that have won an award and they're standing on the street, and all, you know, it's all smiling and 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 laughing and cheering and whatever. But it's this was a speech that there was nothing to laugh about or smile about, you know, um, and it was, you know, it's just the the, the reality of, of where we stand at the moment, you know. Yeah. And then afterwards, when they when they take you off the stage, mm. Annie Wallace came over, who was watching. She was there in the audience. I yeah. think she won an award that night, too. So she came over. You know, she's the Channel 4 um, Hollyoaks star. Yes. Yes. She came over and thanked her. Uh, sorry, thanked us. Um <laughs> congratulated us congratulated yes uh, on our award which is really nice of her to do um yes and no, i saw her no. again recently at the trans in the city event so that was really nice to see her again you know she kind of she remembered us from the from the yeah, yeah she was lovely that evening yes i'd uh, i'd spoken to her before the award um yeah and uh, but yeah when she came rushing over she was so pleased and obviously i haven't heard the speech but yeah absolutely and the little kind of backs the backstage interview that we did and yeah really really good Yes, yeah, and that was that was actually an interesting one because again, I suppose that brings us on to another. Yeah, there was another person there <laughs> that we need thing. to talk about. So, and this is, and I know this um, this is a um, a subject which um, polarizes the community at the moment, and I and I get it, and I know that um, you know, and we're talking about Dame Kelly Holmes. Yeah, I mean, um, we're talking about. I mean, your your speciality with translucent stats place is sports and sports mm. inclusion. Yes. And Dame Kelly Holmes was also at the NDA Awards, also also a winner in her category. Can't yeah, remember what was. it was now, but yeah, I think you winner. you yeah. approached her during the event to see if you could have a chat with her around what her position is on trans rights. Well, yeah, the, the, the situation was when when we arrived at the event, and um, and I saw that she was there, um, and I knew that she was up for award, and uh, um, the 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 situation was that you know like a, a lot of other people um had seen things and heard things uh, from the past um and our understanding of what her position was um which um hadn't put her in the let's say hadn't put her in the best light let's say um and um the initial thought at the time was do i say anything do i go to and it was a case of no you know th this is not the right place this is not the right event um you know, you don't do it in public. Um, we're not. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a celebration event, so it's, it's probably Absolutely. not the right place to completely the wrong place. No. Absolutely, and you, there's no way we're going to be disrespectful. And again, it's the fact that we do not want to talk to. But we we actually, as Steph's place, we're very much. And I know again, this does you know polarizes some people within the community. Um, we do not believe that there is any. Thing to gain from screaming and shouting and from you know throwing you know missiles or whatever you know the um as golda may once said um the the only way is there's no point um you don't make peace by talking um uh you know uh, with your um friends you know you only make peace by talking with your enemies um and it's true that that you have to talk um and the only way you can do that is is respectfully, you know. Now that doesn't mean you have to get on with someone or agree with someone. It just means that if there is a chance for a dialogue, there are some people that we will not speak to, quite clearly. Some organisations we won't speak to um, uh, because of the the basis and the level on they, what they want to speak on. And and this is what actually comes into what happened that night because. Um, sorry, it's Musha Diane that actually said that. It wasn't Colin May and Musha Diane. Uh, anyway. 
when um, when when um, Kelly won her award, um, she said in her speech that she was new to the community, was still learning and had a lot to learn, and she wanted to speak and listen. Because she wanted I, to I listen. think she'd come out as lesbian. She had come out recently after we did that our previous podcast, didn't she? It's not, yeah, that's think, right. Yeah, that's right. And that's why she's involved in the community now, because obviously of coming out and, the, the you know, and obviously the work that she feels she can do and wants to do within the community. Yeah. Um, and it was OK. So you do want to listen. You do want to talk. Um, is that genuine? Um, but again, you know, do I go, no, it's not the right place. It, we, you know, I shouldn't sort of, you know, I don't want to make a scene. Maybe I'll try and reach out. I know she was no longer on Twitter, but maybe we'll see and reach out. Who knows? Um, then we won our award and obviously we're yeah. up on stage and then we were taken yeah. backstage. Now, what we didn't realize when we were taken backstage to do our interviews, um, was that, um, at that time, the next award obviously has been given and <laughs> was that? Kelly was actually, um, the person who was presenting oh that's right yeah the award so because she was presenting the award she was taken off stage afterwards like we had been back to this area behind stage yes. and we're standing there just finishing our interviews and out pops kelly holmes and it was like ah okay so we're now in a private area um because i didn't know what her reaction was going to be to me approaching her as i said i didn't want that um, confrontation if that was going to be bad i remember so, i was trying to drag you away at that point Yes. <laughs> and, and I did actually say to the because um, that the one, the one of the organizers was saying, right, come on, let me take you back to your table. And I said, is it OK if I have a word with Kelly Holmes? And they said, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's fine. And I said, look, I just want to tell you because I'm you know, going to be up, uh, perfectly open. There is this belief that she has, you know, anti or she has transphobic views or whatever. Um, and, you know, things and whether it's true or not, we don't know. But. I do want to speak to her about it, but it's not going to be confrontational. There will not be any problems. It will be a hundred because I wanted to make sure it was known that this was just in case something, yeah. you know, that my intentions were not to cause a problem. And yeah. then she said, no, as long as that's the get, I said, absolutely fine. Anyway, Kelly came over. She saw, obviously I was standing there and, um, and she was very warm and open, obviously recognized, you know, obviously knew who we were because of the speech that had yeah. just been given. Right. So that helped. Yeah. Um, and I started to talk to her and explained, you know, look, you said that you were open to learning and you wanted to talk. Um, if that's true, um, here's my email address. Will you contact me? She said, absolutely. She right. said, I will contact you and, um, you know, I will meet with you. OK. Um, and we had a very, you know, open and warm, you know, she genuinely doesn't think that she's transphobic. Um, now, I know a lot of people don't. Um, the, so I guess the... most of her views, which sound transphobic, are around sports issues. That, that I think, is uh, when, when and then, well, subsequently, we actually met with um, with uh, with Kelly. And there is an article which I'm uh, producing at the moment, um, just finishing off, that will be published um, about sort of our, our meeting um, okay. with, with uh, uh, Dan Kelly. And. The, the the overriding feeling from ourselves is that she is very open, very inclusive, um, and I don't believe she has any issues with trans people at all and is very welcoming. Um, and I would say just straight away from the start, if she was gender critical, um, would she have attended a Stonewall event, which she did recently? Yeah, that was you know. a rec recent 
attendance. There was a lot of other absolutely, absolutely. There trans isn't people at that event. No know. one, no one from that movement would have been seen supporting a Stonewall event. So again, it's just another indication. And I think that I think there is an issue around platforming people who are transphobic. I mean, I'm I'm against that. But if somebody is genuinely on a learning um, curve, yes, and, you know, is is open to learning and you know change their position, that's yeah. fine. But I think I think we need to be careful around platforming people who haven't actually said that yet, you know, and, and haven't said that yes, I'm on a learning curve and I'm changing yeah. my position. I mean, if, if they still haven't if they haven't come out and said that publicly, I think it's hard to platform them, and we probably shouldn't. It is. I, th I think, and I think her position is um, she has an area where she wants to concentrate, which is to do with um, the, the treatment of LGBT, LGBT people within the army, okay. given the fact that she has an army background. And that's where she is focusing all her attention. So she has no interest in platforming or dealing with the sport issue in itself. Um, she doesn't really want to get dragged into that because it's not really where her focus is. And she does appreciate, obviously, the fact she has a sporting background. Um, and, but the one thing I can say is that um, she certainly is looking at this from an inclusive point of view. Her position was not that there should be a blanket ban forever and that should be it. Um, she certainly doesn't. So then was talking about, you know, finding the ways of there being, you know, um, of being included. So again, that's from a positive point of view. It's not from a gender critical point of view. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, and I think she just, you know, um, I think that there are discussions and certainly things that thing, and, and obviously she is not fully aware yet of obviously all of the information. Um, you know, she's got some very close friends, let's say, um, that are very firmly within that gender critical camp. Mm -hmm. um, and when you've been told a lot of things and heard a lot of information, you're obviously going to be influenced by it. Um, but I think, as I said, I think her overall position quite clearly that we established is that, um, we believe that she is not transphobic. She does have concerns, obviously, coming from a sporting background. Um, why wouldn't she? That's her sporting background. Um, and, you know, we will we'll, we'll continue to talk, let's say. So that's... So continue you know, the dialogue, see where it goes. Absolutely. Yeah, so you say the article you're, you're writing is about to come out on Translucent. Is that is that imminent? Yes, I think um, it's uh, it's sort of um, almost complete. The, the trouble is there's so many different um, things that are going on and articles that are being written. Um, yeah. And it's a matter of finding the right timing, the right, uh, you know, order and whatever to release them. Um, yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, I'm, that, I'm looking that, forward that to reading that one. I think that's going to be an interesting one. Yeah. I think is is her current position, I guess, is it, is it similar to where Martina Navratilova's Kind of because she's shifted her position slightly. I'm not sure if she shifted think, yeah. it enough for my. No, case. no, she's. I mean, she's. Unfortunately, she's gone. You she's know, gone from the other way. She's gone the other side. But yes, but I mean, when 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 she originally got involved in this, her position was um, very much. Um, you know, she made a comment um, along the lines of it being cheating. She then was invited by the BBC to do a documentary and to find out which which she did. Um, and the final position on this documentary. Um, was for her to say, well, clearly um, there isn't enough proof that there is an advantage. Um, so therefore, 
there is no reason for a ban at the moment. But what we need is more studies to be able to prove and look to the future. There's no need to do anything now because there's no evidence there's any unfair advantage that's having an impact. Um, that is the exact position that the International Olympic Committee have taken as well. Um, you know, their medical and science director came to exactly the same conclusions that there is no evidence to prove they're having an unfair advantage after treatment. Um, and that's why their position is that each sport should be allowed to find its own position because there's no set parameter. Every sport is different. Um, and the level of unfair advantage um, that, uh, that, that uh, trans women have in sport depends on the actual sport itself. Um, and this is the one thing that, that does frustrate me so much is that um, there is so much unfair advantage in sport um, yeah, and yet I mean, nothing just, is done just about in it. General, not nothing to do with. Oh no, no, these are all issues. these are all natural. I mean, yeah. the, the, you know, you've got to say that there's cheating, the doping side, and then there's natural, you know, advantages and advantages that people and, and sports uh, people can, you know, create for themselves um, and create those advantages. Um, but nothing is there's no issues in it because it's within the rules. There's nothing nothing wrong about it and nothing wrong with it. That's sport. Um, and sport would be incredibly boring if it wasn't. I mean, if you didn't have a Michael Phelps or a Usain Bolt that had, you know, particularly Michael Phelps, um, who had unbelievably unfair advantages um, in sport, um, just, you know, his actual body and his actual anatomy and the way he was built. Um, but nothing was, it was never said that he should actually do anything about it. You know? Yeah, see, um, so the, the only issue that people tend to focus on is the, is the trans issue when it comes to... Uh, Oh, absolutely. Trans and at the moment. Absolutely. They're the only things that they worry about. Um, and, and even to the extent that they turn around and say, you know, well, testosterone levels, you know, clearly um, that's that's a massive issue and that's a problem. Um, and that's a problem. OK, there's one thing where it's an unfair advantage, but there's also a safety issue. It's un, it's, you know, not just not safe. We can't allow that. But then they have no tests of cisgender women to check whether their levels are safe or not, because there is a big crossover. It's not a high percentage, but it's still a percentage of cisgender women that, that are massively in the, the male range. Um, uh, you know, one, one particular example is, is with the PCOS, which is, uh, you know, sort of um, uh, something which um, there are, uh, I think 10% of women actually suffer from this um, thing. And, and this, one of the, the things that this um, produces is an incredibly high testosterone level. It's an, an unnaturally high testosterone level um, to the extent that they did a survey on the, um, uh, the Swedish Olympic team. Um, and um, I believe the, the figure they found was 38% of the Swedish team, uh, women's team actually had PCOS and had this, you know, this high testosterone level. Now, clearly, you know, 38% of the Olympic team, you know, whereas the national average is 10%, it's had a massive impact yeah. on them. And these are, these are um, therefore, people that are actually having, you know, an Olympic career. They've actually had success in the Olympics, whereas no trans woman has. Um, yeah, so, so, it's a, so it's actually having a genuine impact. But when I say about the safety level, hmm. why are they allowed to compete? And they should be. I'm not saying they shouldn't be. But they, there seems to be no safety concern 
for a cisgender woman that has an unnaturally high testosterone level. Well, yeah, I mean, all, the, all the focus is on trans women and the fact that these are, you know, trans women, you know, participating in these sports and they, they shouldn't be allowed for some weird and wonderful reason because there's always this kind of um, assumption that it's unfair. Now, well, I would say, right, sorry, I would just so, say, so somebody yes. like, let's say somebody like me, I'm quite, I quite have, a, I have a large frame. I'm, I'm in my 50s. It's very unlikely that somebody like me is ever going to be competing at an Olympic level. Probably yeah. impossible. Maybe Olympic darts, you know, I don't know, <laughs> but something like that. Yeah. But, you know, if it, when you start treatment with HRT, you know, over a period of, you know, between six months to 12 months, you, you do see a huge kind of reduction in your ability to lift heavy objects and, and do what you could do before. It, it does change drastically, exactly. um, so, but you still have this big frame. So you end up with a really kind of reduced engine, let's say, still powering the same frame. So I don't see how that's an advantage in any way. No, it's no. not. You know, it's a well, disadvantage of anything. The, the bottom but, line is, well, but... I see a lot of a lot of the kind of things that we hear about trans women participating in sports. I think it has its roots in transphobia, mm. and you know they express it in terms of sports fairness. Yeah, exactly. And and at the end of the day, um, if you, if you've supposedly got an advantage, an un, an unfair advantage, then it's only an unfair advantage if it actually translates into, you know, that advantage actually making a difference. And the quite clear evidence is that it's not making a difference. You know, it doesn't matter what the average frame, muscle mass, sizes, you know, and what advantages you may have had, you know, um, pre-transition. Those advantages are not giving trans women any, any having any impact at all when they're okay. Because well, maybe it's you your treatment. Is it a disadvantage? Sorry, is it a disadvantage? In a lot, some cases it is. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because you know, I know, I know, I know um, Emily Bridges has talked about the fact that her larger frame is a disadvantage for the sport that she's in. Yeah, you know, um, you look so at some again, of the studies it, that uh, Christy Miller's been talking about. Yeah, um, you know where where she talks about trans women who are kind of in the elite sports level needing testosterone just to stay healthy. You know, my yeah. levels of testosterone based on what I currently take in terms of medication is really low. You know, I don't think I will be able to compete in a sport with it being that low. I mm. think for, you know, for a trans a trans woman or, you know, anybody else, you do need to have a higher level of testosterone in your system to be able to compete. You know, well, it's just survived. Yeah, Kirsty nearly died as a result. Yeah, I mean, she talks about this a lot. I know Absolutely. you were talking about having her on and doing a bit of an in-depth discussion around these kind of it's technical issues, yes. which I, I'm not completely up to speed on at all. It's very technical. I think we should allow somebody like, you know, Miss Miller to uh, come and explain Absolutely. it to us. Absolutely. Yes. Well, that's, um, yeah, we, we will arrange that. Definitely. Yes. yes. Um, but um, what I say is, that, so what people forget is that, as I said, there is no other sport where unfair advantages have actually been addressed. I mean, they, they exist completely in so many different sports. And the unfair position for trans women would actually be to turn around and say, okay, so trans women are women. That is, that is the one thing that's not up for debate. That's the one point. 
But once we've actually established and accepted that point, trans women don't then turn around and say, right, so that means we automatically qualify for women's sports, full stop. No, what they actually turn around and says, no, we recognize that there is an unfair advantage. And unlike any other unfair advantage that does exist in sport, trans women actually do do something about it. You know, there is this thing where they actually do, because of the treatments, they don't turn around and say, right, the day I transition is the day I'm allowed to compete in sport. No, it's... They, I mean, you don't, you they, don't start they, taking test, you know, um, HRT treatments on day one and no, absolutely. change sport category day that. two. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, because trans women in sport don't want to compete unfairly. Exactly. Um, and this is the annoying thing that they are actually doing something about it, unlike any other sportsman. Now, Michael Phelps didn't do anything um, to change his uh, inner body or change the levels of lactic acid, which he could have done from that point of view, um, but he didn't do anything to, to change it. It was just naturally accepted. These are the advantages he's got. Um, and, and I agree with that. I don't think there's any, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that's the whole point of sport. But it would be, wouldn't it be ridiculous to ask somebody like Michael Phelps to do something to his body to make him less competitive? Yeah, absolutely. I mean that would be ridiculous. We've seen that in with other people, yeah. Yeah. you know, who are who have natural levels or natural abilities, yeah, you know, being targeted. You know, nothing to do with being trans, just targeted because they have advantages. It it, it does get ridiculous, and at the end of the day, it's like if you want to reduce it to its basis level, you know, what's an unfair advantage? Well. An unfair advantage is the fact that Usain Bolt was born with this unbelievability. You know, um, sportsmen, the elite sportsmen, they are born naturally with that ability. That's unfair because I wasn't. Well, I mean, if you take <laughs> if you take this fairness to its extreme, you know, if you say like everybody has to be exactly the same, yeah, you know, everybody has to have the same times as, as Usain Bolt. Well, then nobody's going to win, are they? It's going to be a draw. That's that's the yeah the aim you, you've eliminated all all advantages and disadvantages. No, Everybody's exactly the same. Absolutely, you're all going to you're going to finish exactly the same time. So where's the sport? No, you've lost sport. Yeah, exactly. I sport's mean, it, out the window. I I could see there being potentially a completely different competition where you do that as long as it's separate from the normal competition. And that would be interesting because at the end of the day, then I suppose the winner would be the person that just had that extra bit of, you know, fight, well, determination, whatever. Um, I think it's an interest yeah. if you try and make it a level playing field. Well, I think hasn't F1 kind yeah. of gone there in a little bit, in a, in a way, because all the cars are, you know, very similar. The, the, I, I don't, yeah, I don't drivers. know about F1, but if you look at the, the drive, you know, the, the construction, it's always every year the best cars will still be from the same yeah, but is it is it a competition between drivers or is it a competition between technology oh, and the cars that's yeah, a so competition it's... between cars yeah because all the yeah. drivers are very high standard absolutely yeah. there's not a lot between them but um yeah it, it's so that, that's really a sport where they've tried to oh. eliminate the has, you know, has Lewis Hamilton been able to win one race this season because in, in a car that's not good enough? And that's, so you could put the same enough. driver in different cars and get different results. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yes, you, you definitely would. Yeah. Um, and it's, as I said, it's, um, you know, sport just isn't a, a level playing field. It just is. It just simply isn't. Um, and I don't think it should be. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. What I do think is wrong is then when you pick on one group that are not having any success um, and, it's the reasoning behind that. That's what gets me. As I said, I can understand if trans women were absolutely dominating and 
in the words, in ruining women's sport. If There's they were holding others. every single, you know, world record, if they were winning every single medal, I could yeah. understand it. You but know? then look at the numbers of trans women. What, what percentage of the population are trans women? Maybe half of 1%. Yeah. How, how could they ever dominate anything? Yeah. Well, I mean, put it this way. I mean, I agree with you, but if you've got such a massive advantage, then, you know, you don't need as many. You only need one in each sport, you know, and it, it doesn't we take just, long. We just the don't example see I use, The example I again use is um, um, Emma Raducanu. Now, how long did it take her, because she was better than anyone else at that particular time, how long, even at her age, right, she'd had no... You know, there was no build up. She had no um, uh, uh, because of the pandemic. You know, she had played very little. All of a sudden, within a year, she came from nowhere to, you know, to, to winning the US Open. Because if you are that good and you have an advantage of being that good and that's all it is, it's just being better than the rest. Mm. You will rise to the top that quickly. So it doesn't take long and it only takes one person in each sport to do that. Now, even at 0.5% of the population is still just, you know, 0.5% of all sports people are trans. You know, it's, it's as simple as that yeah. because potentially, so because as I said, the demographic, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, um, in uh, the um, uh, Caitlin Jenner won the decathlon gold medal, you know, being trans, being born trans doesn't mean, doesn't affect your sporting ability. You know, it's just, as I said, you are you are who you are and then you happen to be trans as well. So there will be lots of athletes, potential athletes that are trans that couldn't. And if they had no treatment whatsoever, someone that was an average sports person who was trans would then absolutely dominate, you know, uh, trans when, when they after they transitioned, if they didn't have any treatment. Yeah. So. As I said, that yeah, that 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 would happen because um, if you think that uh, it's you know sort of maybe sort of two in every hundred, well, the thousandth placed male sports person, if they then went into a female arena, would probably be right at the top. So you know, if you think about that, and it, you know, one in every a hundred or two hundred is trans, it they, they would be absolutely dominating. But trans women don't say that and don't do that and don't want that, you know. So that's the thing that's, you know, it, this doesn't come from a place of safety. It doesn't come from a place of fairness. That's where the problem is. This comes from a, a, a nasty place. Yeah, I mean, we we really, I mean, we really don't have the numbers. I, I can't even think of more than a handful of successful trans sports people. Anyway. Yeah, if you're talking about elite sport. the answer's... Elite sports, I mean, how many can you name? trans women zero yeah we've had we've had one trans woman who's competed um in the in the olympics um there was another that um i think there was laurel hubbard i think there was yeah laurel hubbard and there was a a skateboarder who was um part of the team the the u.s team that qualified um but was reserved and didn't actually compete in the olympics i think there was Uh, some trans footballers but they're non-binary they're non-binary so they actually competed in their biological yeah their their, their births as you know sex assigned at birth so the only the only others i can think of are are, uh leah thomas and and emily bridges i don't think they've competed at the olympic level have they no no not at all no no um i think you know leah thomas is still at college level um and again um her times you know she had um you know some some times that were far you know sort of far 
uh, faster times before she transitioned. Yeah. Um, so again, was proving that you know she was up there um, as as a potential as a, an elite um, a, a sportswoman when she trans, you know, a sportsman at the time. Um, but no, as I said, she hasn't. Yeah. Uh, so, so everything we've been speaking about there is about, all about elite sports, Olympics, like the high end of sports. It's been no one. The point I was I, getting to was um, what about what about just like everyday like participation in usually a local sports club and stuff like that? You, you know, that's you know, we're not talking about elite sports, there, but, you know, we, we still need to have inclusion. You have so how, how do all those arguments stack up in, in kind of like your your average run of the mill local clubs and things like that? Well, again, they, they should. I mean, at the end of the day, um, it, it comes down to this doesn't come down to winning medals and stuff because it makes no difference. This is this is social. This is fun. Um, and when you're talking about competing safely and fairly, there are certain sports where, you know, even at sort of uh, at fun level and social level, you've got to be careful. So you wouldn't have, you know, um, sort of just friendly, you know, I don't know if you can have friendly boxing matches, but you know what I mean? Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, uh, Everything has still got to have its sense of balance. But, you know, if you take it to any sort of level, um, you know, with um, even with, with, say, you know, football, um, you know, again, it's just got to be done on a fair and a a, a sensible level. And, you know, sport is so important to people's lives. Um, yeah, that sense of inclusion, that, belonging to something, is important. Absolutely, from a from a belonging, from a social point of view, um, health point of view, it's it's vital that it actually is there. And, you, and it's you know, from a mental health point of view, um, it is incredibly dangerous to with you know to to remove that from someone. And it's not a case of saying, well, you know, okay, so they can you know play in men's. No. <laughs> It's just not right. You can't do that. It's, um, you know, the, that that's someone that has no understanding of being trans, if they say that. No understanding, because the whole point of, you know, well, you will know, you know, you, all you want is just to be accepted and approved as who you are. Yeah, exactly. So why would you put yourself in a men's team and play a men's sport? I would never, no I would never go into a men's team. There's, of course you wouldn't. Because it's not me. No, absolutely. And you don't want to be seen and you, you know, you don't want to put yourself in that position. You don't want others to put you in that position. So there's no way you would do that. And so, yes, by excluding from, you know, sort of from social sport and amateur sport, you are basically removing trans women from having any kind of sporting involvement. And it's just wrong on a human rights level. Yeah, I mean, you're banned from being included in in the category you want to be in and you wouldn't join the other one because of your own feelings towards it so yeah, yeah you're left with nothing no no and that's um as i said that's that's the the damage and the harm that uh, you've got to you know people have got to realize and got to stop it's just nonsense yeah so one of the other things we were talking about was the um the topic of financial doping mm. yes well this was an interesting one because actually it's something that um when we met with kelly holmes um she actually brought this up herself funny enough right. as, um, as you know sort of recognition that you know even from her experience you know as a um as a, an olympian um and a double gold medal winner um the fact that she had benefited um you know from what's what was turned and known as, as financial doping and it's interesting i mean i did actually write an article um on this previously in uh in Seth's place um and this, this was really, this all started um, in, um, so from the 1996 um, Atlanta Games, the Olympic Games, right. 
where um, the UK or Britain had a disastrous um, uh, uh, event. Um, and I think we won one gold medal. There were 15 in total and finished 36th on the medal table. Um, and the background to this was that at that time, um, all our athletes were amateur, um, which was the what the Olympic Games were supposed to be about. <laughs> it was only supposed to be for amateur athletics, uh, but all our athletes were amateur. They had normal day jobs um, and then had to train and do everything in the evenings. And coaches also the same. They were voluntary um, uh, doing things. And the level of facilities and everything else that went into it was just not, meant they could not compete with the Eastern Europeans that were spending fortunes, um, some of it legal, some of it not so legal, um, as we well know. This is 1996. So how how were Olympic sports funded at that time? Do, do you know? There wasn't. It was I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how, but they, basically there wasn't. I mean, were, were they getting sport, government a, funding? No, 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 it was all, it was, it, all kind of if there was, it was minimal, but it was all on a voluntary basis. As I said, there were no professional right. sports people. They couldn't afford to. So what they did then, they, they took a decision um, to actually start spending money and put some money into the sports um, and see how it worked. And the next Olympics, there was a, you know, a marked improvement. Um, it actually worked. And there were certain athletes that were um, basically uh, paid to be athletes. They were actually became professional athletes. Um, they were given professional coaching. Um, and obviously it had an impact. And after that, then came the um, the, the lottery and the national lottery and the decision that a lot of money from the uh, the proceeds would go into sports. Yeah. And that's where our involvement um, in sport and, and in the Olympics sort of continued to rise and rise and rise. And what their aim was, and it was a decision that was made very early on, was that we didn't just want to put enough money in to compete. We wanted to put in as much money as we could, that would literally obliterate all other opposition. They would not be able to compete with us because we were so far in advance spending so much money. And we were so, um, our, every, as I said, every, every athlete was technically so far superior because of the money that was plowed into um, from sports. So that was basically termed as financial doping because it was legal, there was nothing wrong with it, um, but it was recognised as a giving us a completely unfair advantage. Gives you a massive advantage. Yeah, I mean, look, look what happened to British cycling, finance-wise. Absolutely. And success yeah. and results. Yeah, yeah. Went through the road. And they, as I said, yeah, that they they went into the most extreme lengths. I mean, I, um, there was one story. Um, I mean, there might have been some actual doping involved in there too, but you know, that's another story. Well, I don't. I, yeah, I mean, cycling has a, a long history, but I think the, the where that the focus was um, certainly from the British team um, was, uh, which was an amazing turnaround, was to just look at all the tiny little advantages, not to go for massive wins. Um, but every tiny little advantage that would shave literally, you know, half a second here, or a point of a second there, you know, just get slightly better, 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 better. And all of those small differences would make a big difference, which resulted in, you know, sort of real domination for a period. Uh, there was even one example, I can't remember the, the cyclist name, but they, they um, tested every athlete in a wind tunnel to check on their resistance uh, level. And they realized that 
um, the, the shoulders of this particular cyclist were quite broad. Um, and they actually contemplated and were genuinely thinking about operating on him to actually reduce that size, to give him that 0.1 extra <laughs> speed, wow. uh, you know, on a, on a lap. Um, at which point it was like, yeah, we're really talking about it a little this. bit too far. But they really were talking about it seriously as to, as to thing. So again, it just shows to the lengths to which we went to create an unnatural and unfair advantage. Uh, yeah, and nobody really complains about those kind yeah. of advantages. I know, I know, the French were trying to examine how round our wheels were in the cycling, <laughs> but you know, normally these are these kind of advantages. You know, everybody accepts them as as yeah, you can do that. It's an advantage that you can pursue if you want to. But yeah, all the focus is on trans people again. Yeah. It's like what what is going on here? Well, this is what I said, and this is why it comes down to what's the actor motivation? Because here you've got massive unfair advantage. Um, which we all celebrate dramatically. Um, you know, we're now second, third in the medal table every Olympics. Mm. Um, and the number of gold medals we get is just, you know, staggering. It's fantastic. We all love it. We enjoy it. And it's brilliant. Myself included. I'm not saying it shouldn't yeah. be done, you know. But here we have something that's celebrated where it's massively unfair advantage and yet you've got uh, a tiny little group of people, as you said, 0.5% of the population, uh, which um, have done something so much to remove that advantage that they're having no success whatsoever at elite level. And yet, could actually with no be... success, they're complained about and they want to have a complete ban. It and the reality is it sense. could be a disadvantage. We don't quite know. You know, so yeah, it's the, the the focus is is totally on the wrong thing. And... Completely. It's all based on it's all based in transphobia, as far as I it is. It is unfortunately, and this is the thing. And we have no um, issue whatsoever um, in saying that there needs to be more studies. There needs to be definitely more testing. Absolutely, that, that, I'm that, open that, to that, studies. Yeah, absolutely, and to prove it. But when you're starting, if you're starting in a position where you have quite clearly there's a problem and there's a massive advantage yes you've got to stop that from happening and then do the studies to see how you can mitigate it but when you're starting from the position where there is absolutely no issue whatsoever where no one is having any success yeah then yes you do those let's, studies let's you dream up some, the evidence let's yeah. dream up some but rules you we can don't ban them all now when there is no obvious advantage when there isn't you know, but surely the default position should be allow people to be included until such time as whatever yeah, studies have been completed, not yes. not just ban them from the outset, which is what a, lo a lot of organizations, sports organizations are doing currently. They're just coming out. OK, we'll just ban trans women without any studies right. at all, just based on, you know, because they've seen other organizations do it. There's mass hysteria in the media around trans women in sports. You know, yeah, it's like. It's, it's, their it's based on, at the moment yeah. is let's just ban them and we'll do the studies later. It will it's banned, it is banned on some studies, but they're banned on flawed studies that come well, yeah. from you know obviously dubious places. If you look at the background of the people that are actually conducting those studies and where they come from and those that are pushing it. Um you I'm know, sure Kirsty's going to be able to explain all those studies oh, to yes. us. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the, the thing, the, the great thing about Kirsty is she's very much involved, um, having been a, um, you know, a, 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 at the highest level of sport as a junior um, uh, before she transitioned. Um, she now has a very, very good understanding of the the scientific and the technology yeah. 
and the technical side of it, um, which is something that I, I leave to her. To me, <laughs> I see the, and this is when I got involved in it in the first place. I remember someone, the first time someone ever said to me, when I was going on that journey of discovery myself with mm -hmm. uh, my daughter, Lizzie, um, yeah. and someone said, you know, that we would go things, oh, is this a problem? Is this a problem? And they think, no, okay, that shouldn't be an issue. That's not an issue. And then someone said to me, well, what about sport? Now, my immediate reaction from knowing nothing was, ah, okay, yeah, that, that, that could well be a problem. Because obviously, you know, men have a massive advantage over women. But the first thing I did was then go online and say, okay, well, what success are they having? Yeah, let's look and at the answer that. was none. You know, I looked up Wikipedia. At that time, I think there was something like 23 trans women that had had any kind of, not even success, that had done anything in, in you know, trans women, done anything in the sport at all. And it said, I don't know, about 34, but out of that, only 24 actually had their own page. But not one of them had won anything at any elite level. And I'm thinking, well, if they're having no impact, why are they having no impact? Because that's, to me, the important thing. It's not a case of the science. I don't know and understand the science of how it works. I don't need to. So I said, Kirsty, <laughs> she will explain that and she's great at it. From my point of view, what's the end outcome? And the fact that they're not having an advantage and not winning anything at any elite level means there has to be a reason for that. And that's, as I said, that was my starting point. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, just look at what's going on in the States with all these laws that have been bringing. I mean, all those are just based on hysteria, as far as I can see. It is, absolutely. You've got, you've got the, you know, the Republicans in all the southern states, Texas, Florida, they're all doing you know horrible laws against trans kids like trans inclusion in sport it's just rampant at the moment Absolutely. can't see it getting any better for a while no no um and you know unfortunately uh, you know what we see is happening in the states we're only a couple of steps behind it over here yeah you hear it in the media over here you see it in politics over here too i mean it's it's getting worse it's not getting better no no, no it's definitely getting worse um i remember um, when we finished off our, the last um, podcast that we did, and it was it was at a point where there was actually you know good reason for hope. Um, yeah, it did feel quite hopeful at that point. Absolutely, and we did you know, say the, I think our closing remarks were watch this space. Yeah, absolutely. Scene. I think, and, I think and that and may have was, been in relation to Emily Bridges. It was. We couldn't it talk was. about at the time. No, no, absolutely. And at the time, so we'd we'd had the um, the, the the really positive and hopeful position and stance that the International Olympic Committee had taken, um, the recognition um, that they had um, they had gone against the bogus surveys, they'd yeah. seen through them. Yeah. Um, they they themselves had realised and recognised that you know the chief medical and science officer had said, you know, the fact that they are having no impact shows that there you know that, that, that any talk of any issues has been greatly you know exaggerated you know they recognized it themselves and what they wanted to do obviously was find a way of, of finding full inclusion that was their aim it's about inclusion um, but fair and safe inclusion and that's right it shouldn't just be about inclusion yep. it's got to be fair it's got to be safe mm -hmm. um, it was a shame in my eyes that um, it was proven that testosterone levels, on its own was not the deciding factor. 
Because if that had have been the absolute proven point that, you know, that, as I said, you, you have a high testosterone level, if you reduce it to a certain level, you know, and every cis woman is within that range, that's fine. But unfortunately, that isn't the case. So, you know, you have got, um, you've got competitors that are doing well with with low testosterone levels. You've got competitors doing well with, with high. So again, it wasn't the dis absolute deciding factor because if it had been, it would have been so easy to have said and continued, right, it's down to testosterone levels. We can just do it on that basis. But it isn't. It's just the fact that when you do have your treatment, it works for whatever reason. As I said, Kirsty may well go into the science of it, yeah. but it does work. It does reduce it. So that should be the starting point of saying, right, inclusion, if you've had the treatment and each sport will find its own level. Um, and at that time, um, we had Emily uh, Bridges, who she genuinely is an outstanding sportswoman mm. and a genuine, genuine um, hope to have gone right to the top. Um, she, um, I don't know if I, if we talked about this the last time, but she had actually competed um, in uh, junior events in um, in the the UK and then in the world junior uh, things. And she had won, come first in the the UK event, and this was the age of nineteen, and then fourth in the world event. Um, she'd missed out by point one of a second of missing out in the medal. Um, but had competed in both events um, with um, with a problem with one of her ankles and a pain. Um, and because they'd finished all of the, the tournaments, so then the coaches said, right, I think we need to actually just get this checked and have it scanned. Um, and when they discovered she'd competed in both events with a broken ankle. Wow. Now, this is a cyclist <laughs> with a broken ankle. broken ankle when you're a cyclist, do you? And you finish first in the UK and fourth by one-tenth of a second. Um, that clearly is an outstanding talent that literally should have gone right to the top and hopefully still will. Um, now, she has followed her course of treatment. She had yeah. done everything within the rules. Yeah. At that time, was about to announce that she was actually going to be competing in a race. Yeah, that and I think that's why we didn't talk about it in the previous podcast, because it hadn't been announced at that point. No, exactly. And she was about to compete in one race at an elite level where that would be the qualification for the Commonwealth Games. Yeah. And she was denied that opportunity. And didn't they change the rules on her last minute? They changed the rules just to stop her. And those rules yeah. have been permanently changed again to stop her at the moment. And we're still waiting to find out. Um, and again, the latest news um, is, is, is not good. Um, you know, again, they've done various looks and studies and they're still not talking to you know, trans people and trans athletes um, and taking real, you know, real evidence into consideration. And as long as this continues, <clears throat> then we're going to keep having this problem. Um, you know, again, it's, it's, there's no justification for a blanket ban. There really isn't. Yeah. So, you know, we'll have Kirsty Miller on and we'll do a deep dive on the, you know, what the studies have been and what the facts and figures are and get all that. Absolutely. You know, sorted because it is, it is a complicated area. I know I'm not completely up on it. Um, I'm yeah, I'm really, I'm really, you know, interested in in mm. talking to Kirsty about those things and, and let her explain it all to us. You know, and people can obviously listen to that and make their own opinions. I mean, th this brings us on to, you know, the World Cup. This is what's currently going on at the moment. Yes. Um, 
now it's not this is not really about trans people as such but it's you know the qatar world cup um they were promising that lgbt people would be included would be allowed to come along will be allowed to wear rainbow clothing flags support their teams etc etc and what we're seeing currently in the press is um you know a pretty awful statement came out of fifa head guy i can't remember his name mm. um but he said some very strange things um we've seen you know the this the fact that david beckham is getting paid 10 million to be the face of the guitar world cup we've seen joe license's re- response to that with the shredding of ten thousand pounds in a shredding machine which he actually did a a third video of which saying actually it was fake and he didn't shred the money the money was actually given away to lgbtq plus travel um charities yeah. before he did any of the announcements um you know and he i think he was making the point that his his shredding of the money is pretty is, is as fake as dave david beckham's um you know, taking ten million pounds for his face to be the face of the uh, yeah exactly World Cup, but you know we're we're seeing all kinds of restrictions being placed on LGBT um, fans attending, having their rainbow hats removed, and all kinds of strange stuff going on. So it's just, you know, I've boycotted the whole thing completely, and I'm not even going to watch it. That's how strongly I feel about it. Yeah, and I understand absolutely understand. And the thing that um, is so clear is that. Um, that there was never any intention to allow anything. No, it was just words, wasn't it? It was. It was just yes, yeah, yeah. You can give do us this, the money. Yeah, allow this, and then as soon as literally day before all yeah. the announcements, no, you can't do this, and then it's too late. And then you we've had this armband thing as well going on. Absolutely, yeah. You know, a lot of the European teams were going to be wearing this one love armband, which yeah. it, it's not really a rainbow thing, but no, you know, it was but at least it represents absolutely. Yeah, yeah. but that's now. They've been told if they wear that, they'll be, you know, they'll be given yellow cards, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. We've seen reporters wearing the armband when they're doing uh, interviews. So that's that's good. But yeah, the only thing and the it's... German team did a really good thing. They they yeah, all posed they in the photograph, put their hands over the mouths. Yeah, absolutely. And we've been silenced. You know, you know, so I think there are some things going on. Well, Which, I, you know, I, teams I think, are trying to show the support, but at the same time, they're being prevented by their own FAs. Yeah, you know, it's it's just a mess. It it is a mess. I mean, the only good thing you can say is that um, that every time something now happens, um, it is it is being highlighted. So, yeah. in other words, you know, because they're trying to stop things, the the stopping of it is highlighted. That's reported. So again, it's it it is in the news. It is being discussed. Um, so I suppose at least there is that. Um, Listen, it, it would be far better to have never done it in the first place. Obviously, yeah, I mean, how does a country like there. Qatar get the World Cup in the first place? I think we all based know the on answer their to that. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, absolutely. How does it, that it, even happen? Is it was it money? Perhaps. It, oh, can we be was that cynical? Involved? Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's staggering. Um, and I hear people turn around and say, I've heard it discussed on you know programs. You know, all it's sport. We shouldn't get political, and you know we have to respect <clears throat> the country's beliefs. And you know, they, you know, they have different ways of doing things. They might not be right, but it's not for us to say things. Well, did we apply that reasoning to um, South Africa with apartheid? Um, no, we didn't. Well, human you know, rights is not political, is it? No, no, absolutely. Um, 
And, you know, was it right to turn around and say, yeah, well, South Africa, they're allowed to do that. It's their country. So they need to respect the fact of, you know, how they treat, uh, you know, people of colour. OK, yeah. OK, go ahead. Be, um, be as anti-LGBT as you like. But if you're going to yes. do that, you you know, you can't be involved in these exactly. <clears throat> international sports events. That's, and that's what happened. And, and, those are what and, the rules should be. Yeah. And, and that's what happened with, as I said, with apartheid. You know, who knows how big an effect it had, but they were banned from any kind of sports and that hurt them as a country. Um, and bit by bit, you know, pressure was put on them, you know, from a you know music point of view as well. There were those that, would try, that did boycott Sun City and didn't play there. You know, some still did. But, you know, there was a, there was a lot of pressure put on them. Um, and, f- you know... F- Hopefully that that was part of what made the difference. Um, but, so again, you know, awarding a country like Qatar with its terrible, yeah. you know, suppression of LGBTQ people. Um, I mean, you, you're just rewarding bad behaviour, aren't you? Of course you are. Of course you are. How, how... And I don't accept as well when some people turn around and says, yeah, but, you know, we had the last one in Russia, you know, um, it's OK to give them. Well, yeah, we shouldn't have given it to them. <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean that, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. So, you know, that they shouldn't have been awarded it on human rights basis. Um, and would they be awarded it now? Well, you know, so. <laughs> if you look at the history of FIFA recently over the past few years, there's, there's been quite a few... Um, well, yeah, absolutely. Gambles. Well, the interesting news today, I think Denmark are actually considering uh, withdrawing from FIFA um, as a wow. team. Um, mm-hmm. Now, if they take that stance, they want to know if others would join them. But at the end of the day, if all the countries decide, you know what, we're going to withdraw from FIFA, we'll have our own World Cup. Yeah. Why not? Because th- there's nothing to stop. The competition would still be the same. The game, a game is a game. And if you can get someone that's going to organise it, and it's a different organisation doing it, it's a different organisation. Then, yeah, I mean, so FIFA should be worried because this is something that um, they're not handling this well at all. They're not. So you know that it could well cost them, and hopefully it will do. Bit of a disaster all around mm. the World Cup so far. Yep. Boycott. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's my personal opinion. You don't have to, obviously. So I just I just wanted to explain at the end of our discussion here what I'm doing with my podcast. So this one is now called Intersection. It it was originally Steph's place and. FGEN, the Feminist Gender Equality Network. But those two podcasts have now been merged into this intersection. Um, and this, I'm using this podcast to talk about, um, you know, to talk with organizations around issues affecting feminism and trans inclusion. So my original podcast, Transclusive, is where I talk to individual trans people and their allies and non-binary people about their lives. And the one I'm the new one I'm doing with Frieda Wallace is Gender Nebulous, where we do a weekly um dissection of the news and inject some humor and uh, sarcasm probably. So those are the three podcasts I'm doing now. Um so this this one is going to go out on intersection. Yep. Um so yeah, just thought I'd explain that to our lovely listeners. Sorry, listener. <laughs> yes. And uh, yeah, if you are listening, please subscribe, please like, please share. And thank you very much, Paul, for coming on and having our little discussion today. No, thank you for inviting me. So we will get um, Kirsty Miller on at some point. I'll let you arrange that one, Paul. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get, sort out the time zone because obviously she uh, lives in Australia. Yeah, she's in so, Australia. Yeah. So <laughs> yes. yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe there's some other people we could have on that 
episode two who are in that sporting world. Mm. I'll let you organise that one. Will do. I will come back, back to, to you. Me. Watch this space again. Watch this space. We'll say that once more. Watch this space. Episode <laughs> three yeah. of this topic will be coming soon. Absolutely. So I think I'll sign us off there. Thank you very much. Great talking to you. And Thank you. Catch you later. Thanks a lot. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.